0: good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 30. Will you stand with us and we'll sing together. To you
1: I extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning.
0: Justice has no losses, gained. Truth remains in perfect light. Not an attribute. i mm-hmm.
1: us pray. Heavenly Father, we glorify your name for it alone is worthy of praise. Out of your abundant goodness you made the heavens and the earth and all that are in them. Out of your steadfast love you sustain us and all living things. By your gracious mercy you sent your son to redeem us and have exalted him Lord over all things and we eagerly await his return to make all things new. We wait eagerly as we look around us and if we are honest within ourselves and see so much that is broken, so much to fear, so much that makes us anxious. We mourn the loss of life and the ever-present specter of death that haunts us through violence and illness. This morning, Lord, we especially mourn the passing of Gerald McNally, Jerry's father we pray that you comfort Jerry and Melinda and all the kids during this time uh, of mourning. Father, we pray that by your word and presence that you remind us that it is you alone who upholds all who are failing and raises all who are bowed down. that you are near to all who call on your name, to call all who call on you in truth. You hear our cries and you save us. This this morning, Lord, hear our cries and strengthen us in your power and glory. By your spirit, Lord, speak for us when our words fail us. Work all things according to your good purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are dismissed for children's worship. Uh, 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 service, confession, we will first do so through word um, and through song, and then we'll have a time for silent personal confession. Lord, something stirs deep within us, a longing for connection, a hope for rest, a thirst for joy, a hunger for peace. Yet even with these longings, we confess that we become distracted, even weary in following you. We keep busy schedules. Avoid others, buy more things, and rush about trying to avoid our fears and loneliness. Be gracious to us, we pray. Awaken us to your power and peace that we may remember how very near to us you are. Give us hope and perseverance as we wait for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven.
0: Today's Song of Confession is a conversation between a believer and uh, their soul. So we'll sing the italicized part and invite you to sing the bold with us. sometimes view and those views relieve me but my sins return You. Mm-hmm.
1: whether we, th- oh. Oh, please take a, a moment for silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That you do not deal with us according to our sins, but that you show compassion to those who call upon your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. I acknowledge my sin to you and you did not cover my iniquity I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Just as we have been welcomed by the Lord, let us welcome one another.
0: He speaks by Jesus' blood, hear and sing ye songs of God, just is satisfied indeed, Christ has full atonement made, Jesus' blood speaks loud. She Just is satisfied indeed, Christ has full. And shall go free
1: Please be seated.
2: The Old Testament lesson today is from Exodus 19 verses 1 through 9. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day, to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. Today's gospel lesson is from John 17, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 19. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Good morning. Thanks, Jason, for reading. (coughs) Um, Glad to have a chance to look at God's word with you today. Uh, we're going to continue our um, summer series and uh, by looking at these words of life, from New Testament. <coughs> As many of you know, we've been going through the New Testament, kind of a, a survey. Each Sunday, a different book, um, and then also finding a kind of a, a key passage or key word from that book. And so this Sunday, we're going to look at the letter of First Peter. Uh, Peter wrote this letter from Rome during uh, Nero's reign, and it was addressed to Christians that had been scattered due to persecution. He writes to encourage them in these difficult times, to encourage them to remain faithful, saying, trust that God sees you, that God will vindicate you, that you will enjoy the salvation that has been promised to you. Remember Christ's death and his resurrection. That is our hope and our model. The one who suffered was raised. So Peter writes this encouragement, and this encouragement in the midst of suffering connects to the key word, which is holiness, holiness. And that's what we want to reflect on this morning. And we can ask, you know, what is holiness? I don't know about you, but it it can be maybe one of those church words that we've heard before or even feel familiar with, but it's not the easiest to actually define or, or say what it is. And what I'm hoping that we can uh, kind of get our hands around or walk away with in our minds is that holiness is to be set apart. It's to be other, especially on account of one's righteousness or one's goodness. And so part of the reason that Christians were suffering in this setting is because they identified with Jesus. And Peter does not dismiss their suffering, but rather invites them to see it as an opportunity an opportunity to grow in their virtue, but also an opportunity to demonstrate that their lives have been set apart to identify with Christ and the goodness of God. He writes, be holy as your God is holy, saying, live a life set apart. And this is not a call to judge others or look down on others. It's, it's not a call to have a secured life far away from other people. Rather, it's a call for Christians to be distinct, to be different because we have a different view of life and reality based in the life of Jesus Christ. So let's look at our passage. This is from 1 Peter. There's a section from chapter 1 and section of chapter 2 printed in your order. We're going to read this together. You can follow in your order in your Bible, and then we'll reflect on both of these parts together. and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture... This is God's Word given for our good. Well as we look at this, there's a lot happening in these passages. Um, but I guess what I want us to to see is the main idea this morning is that you are blessed in Christ, you are blessed in Christ, therefore live as a holy or set apart people. We're going to look at both these things. You are blessed in Christ, therefore live as a holy or set apart people so let's start with this first part you are blessed in Christ that's how our the letter opens blessed be God the word blessed occurs often in the Psalms and it carries this idea of giving thanks or praising someone and Peter starts off by blessing God but not just in a general sense of thanksgiving he offers a blessing specific about what God has done in the person of Jesus Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Why? Why? Because in his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. In this opening blessing, Peter, includes himself. God has given us, you and me, new birth, uh, an inheritance that is certain. And we see right away that this blessing is not just, you know, for this particular people, but it is the gift for all who are in Christ. This is God's gift for all who belong to him. One of the reasons that we like to listen to music, there's all sorts of reasons, but one of the reasons, right, is that some of the best songs have lyrics that, we connect to that speak to our human experience, our human condition, whether that can be songs of joy, of love, or songs of heartache or difficulty. Recently I heard a song and one of the lines stood out to me about kind of describing the human experience. It said this, we don't know what is ahead and we can't get free of what we've left behind. I would sing it for you, but that would make it much worse. <laughs> we don't know what is ahead and we can't get free of what we have left behind. I don't know how that resonates with you, but it speaks to the experience we have of time in, in this world. And what I hope that we can see, I mentioned that because God's gift this blessing that we start with speaks to this experience. We are born again, born anew, meaning we're given a new beginning, a new beginning. And we have a new inheritance in Christ, meaning we have a new future. We have a new beginning and a new future. And this is because of God's mercy for us. And this Greek word mercy, it's parallel to the the Hebrew word hesed, which is translated steadfast loving-kindness. This mercy, this steadfast love, this sheltering kindness, it is so significant, so radical. It makes things so different as far as finding such a shelter to, to live in and be under that Peter describes it as being born again, a new start, a new life. And we know that one does not choose to be born, right? Born again, here it says that there is a power, there is a decision, there is a kindness outside of us. And that kindness, this sheltering kindness and mercy is what gives us a new beginning, a new identity. And this is how Peter describes it. Maybe you noticed it later in the passage I just read. It's, it's such a beautiful verse Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about it this way, right? It's just saying once you were on your own with your past, with your life, but now God is with you, and his mercy is a sheltering kindness that tells you again who you are and gives you a new beginning and a new future. We can't see what is ahead. This is just the reality of no matter how hard we try, right? I mean, sure, you can plan, and I imagine we can all relate to this. We can plan and make decisions or think ahead, but we cannot see what is ahead. But here we're being told that the blessing is that we've been born again into a, a family with a certain inheritance, right? An inheritance is a way of speaking about your future, what is there for you, what has been promised to you. And this f- new future is described with three words imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's imperishable, that means it's free from death and decay, it's undefiled, it's free from corruption and guilt, impurity. It's unfading. It's free from the natural ravages of time and loss. And here is this message. Think, I mean, we can maybe relate right away, but we can especially think about those in that time who had been scattered because of persecution, who were suffering in various ways. Here's a message to these suffering mistreated people. Your identity and your promised destiny cannot be touched by time cannot be changed by circumstances or even by powerful enemies. The Christian hope is living, it is set and certain because Jesus, the risen one, has faced all threats, even the greatest one, death, and he has endured. And so there is a power at work in Christ in this sheltering kindness such that our future is secure. It's kept for us, our passage says even in the face of our sin, our suffering, our hurt, our failures, our mistreatment and loss. We have the gift in Christ of a new beginning and a new future. Our inheritance is a description of God's gift to us that we've been adopted in Christ, the promise of forgiveness full acceptance and union with God, that we have a new future that includes the renewal of our bodies, the transformation of ourselves fully into the image of Christ. A future in which we'll know God face to face, that we'll know one another as brothers and sisters, that we'll know ourselves and all tears and sin and evil and death will be cast away. Blessed be the God and Father of Jesus who through the resurrection from the dead gives us a new beginning and a new future that is kept for us in heaven. So this is the blessing that we are here and to remember and for all who have faith in Christ to rest in this gift. But it leads us in our, this letter from Peter to, to think about what that means. And so we, we can say that you have been blessed in Christ, therefore live a holy life. You've been blessed in Christ, therefore live as a set-apart, a different people. So we can look at the second part of our passage and reflect at how this new identity calls us to holiness. One translation from 1 Peter 2 says it this way, You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people to be God's instruments to work and speak in this world, to tell others the difference that God has made for you, from nothing to something, from alone to accepted. We're called to live as a set-apart people. Interestingly, in, in history, there's a number of ancient Roman documents that have been found and preserved that speak about how the, the Roman Empire viewed the early Christians. There's a number of descriptions about how they were viewed or why they were persecuted. And one thing that's interesting is that Christians were often called atheists. Christians the new, were called atheists with this question of where are your gods? And, and where is your temple? Critics viewed them as deeply subversive. Uh, another word against the early church was that it was a superstition, uh, a Latin word meaning bad religion or foolish religion. It was foolish because it ignored the, the Roman pantheon of gods, but it was also seemed foolish because it didn't practice a recognizable form of religion. Again, where where are your shrines? Where is the temple? Where is your altars or your idols or your sacrifices where is your gods and where is your temple and the new testament actually speaks in multiple places to this question in one place in first corinthians paul addresses these questions by saying to the church do you not know that you that you are god's temple Do you not know that God's spirit dwells in you? I don't know if you've thought of this before or or considered that idea. What, What a thought, right, that who is our God and how is God present in the world in a unique way that in Jesus you are God's dwelling place, God's presence. And Peter here gives a similar image in our passage All in Christ are like living stones being built upon the foundation of Jesus, the cornerstone, being built into a spiritual house, into God's temple in this world. Jesus is the living stone, rejected by humans, but precious and chosen by God, chosen by God to be the foundational stone, the cornerstone, In the church, all of us who are in Christ are the stones, the community being built upon Jesus, vitally linked to and designed and formed around Christ, resting upon him. I think this image is helpful for us to think about what what is holiness and why would it matter for our lives or for our church? And as we kind of try to think about this image, I want us to think about two parts. The the first is the construction, and then the second is the design. The construction how it's put together and i want us to see in this image is that jesus identity the identity of the the living cornerstone is given to all the other stones built upon him jesus identity is given to all the other stones put upon him the scriptures tell us that god alone is holy truly other fully righteous but that God can choose to share this attribute, this status with other things and other beings as they are come close to him or they are identified with him. For example, in the Exodus, we hear about the burning bush, right the bush that was on fire but did not get consumed. God, through this bush, speaks to Moses, telling him to go into Egypt and to be a shepherd for his people. And when Moses comes over to see this burning bush, the voice says, remove your sandals from your feet, Moses, for you're standing on holy ground. Now, I'm sure it was amazing to see a bush that was burning, but the dirt that was on the ground there is not what made that place holy, right? What, what made it holy? It wasn't a special like mixture of sand and dirt. It was holy because God's presence had been granted to that place. In a similar way, that the people of Israel, God calls them his special possessions and sets them apart to be a holy people. This means that Israel, united to God by grace, was called to represent God, to embody his redemptive work on earth, to be a picture of who God is, to be distinct, to not be like the other nations, but to be like God. And we could spend a lot of time talking about what that looked like. But just think for a moment about the example in in the Ten Commandments, this call to rest, to have a Sabbath day. And that the Sabbath, the, the rest, wasn't just for the powerful who had all the money, but it makes it very specific in God's commands that all people, the rich and the poor, those who had lots of land and those who did not, everyone was to rest, to have the right to rest. And not just the people, but the animals and the land as well. To view these things as gifts. And even in the Sabbath practices, on a regular rotation, certain years, that debts were canceled. To remind the people that their lives did not exist in how much they produced or how much money they had. Their lives existed because they were made by God and in his grace, part of his covenant. If we think about holiness in this way, this idea that you are connected to God, that God is connecting himself to you, then holiness is not a burden. I hope that we can hear this. Holiness, I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that. It's not a thing of all the things you need to accomplish, but rather it is a privilege. It is a a word that speaks about the gift of being united to God, associated with God, not on your own, but connected to God. You are foolish, the early Christians were told. You are foolish. Where is your temple? Imagine the idea of being able to say that God invites us to look at you, us sitting here today. This is the temple, the holy presence of God, his spirit dwelling in us, inviting the world to see us as those bound to him in Christ. If this is true, then holiness is not irrelevant. It's not simply about a temple or a priest, about certain practices. It's not something reductionistic like do not drink or smoke or dance. If this is true, then holiness is this crucial idea of our purpose and our being that we, we find our very identity in our God who's given us a new beginning and a new life and a new future in the life and death and resurrection of Christ, and that we find our very being in the sense that we're connected to one another and connected to Christ by his grace. This is the construction of this holy spiritual house. We're called to be set apart as those blessed in Christ. If that's the construction, then I want to finish our time by maybe thinking about the design, the design guys all wa- watch HGTV ever watch all the f- all the fancy shows about people fixing up their homes and usually almost always have people come in right how what's their response if you've seen this their home has been redone they cry and they hug they celebrate right but maybe you've seen this every once in a while people are not pleased with the outcome of their homes I've seen that once before but I, I was looking this up and there was one famous episode I guess in which the designer thought it'd be good to have a rustic look to the house and glued straw and hay all over the walls of the living room. When they came in to see their new home design, there was no hugging. (laughs) There was no uh, tears of joy, but rather a great confusion of why there was hay glued to the walls of their living room. We can think right about how we might want to design our homes, or maybe we have opportunities to even do such a thing, how space looks or what it's like. And I mention that because... When we hear the good news that God has, you know, put us with Christ, a stone upon the cornerstone, it's possible, though, that we might wonder why God has designed it this way. We might wonder why it's different than what we would expect the blueprints to be. see the very nature of this building, its very nature of the temple of God is one of weakness, of humility, and even rejection. You see the cornerstone that was placed, that was identified as precious and chosen, was a stone thrown away by the builders. We can even picture, right, the design that was going on, looking through the different stones that were gonna be used to make this beautiful structure, and they come upon the stone of Jesus, and it's one that is not fit. It was cast aside, judged not to be part of the design. But God saw the stone as precious and chose it to be the foundational stone for his presence in the world, the redeeming of a people that would be set apart. In God's design, what people rejected, God chose what people cast off, God declared precious. And therefore, the only way that we ourselves can be part of it, that we can ourselves can be part of this temple, is through our own humility, our own confession of weakness, our own reality that we need Christ for us, the blessing of a new beginning and a new future. It's in light of that that it changes how we think of holiness. Holiness is not the one who's strong and able to overcome all things, that knows how to win every argument or make other people look bad. Holiness is those who find their life in Christ, who seek to live out that union in their relationships. See, the gospel and Christ are stumbling blocks, seen as foolish and weak. And for us to join the temple, we have to let go of our status, Let go of our clinging and identity based in wealth or position or popularity or acceptability. These things cannot be the basis of our living stone. We have to let go of these markers in order to embrace Jesus, the stone that was rejected, that became the chief cornerstone. Holiness is a call to live as distinct, but it's not a call to live as superior or to quickly judge others. It's not self-centered. Rather, it's a humble identification with Jesus, The trust that his death and resurrection is for us as well. And if this is true, then think of some of the distinctions that we can have. Think how this design brings about certain distinctions. Think about suffering and the possibility that you and I in Christ could have hope that we have hope in the midst of being honest about our pain or anxiety, hope of a purpose even in the context of loss and rejection. We can have the joy of worship, that we acknowledge openly that our hope and our joy is not because we have enough strength, but we have a God who made us and sees us and loves us and promises his faithfulness to us. And we have the joy and the hope of a different system of evaluation, that we don't judge ourselves or others based on our production, our possessions. We do not evaluate as the world does through the accumulation of status or money. But we cling to a design that says, "The greatest among you is the one who serves." And the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and it's possible to gain the whole world, but lose your very self. And that's why Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful, peacemakers, blessed are the meek, those who mourn. Let us remember the construction that our life, our holiness, our set-apartness is because we are linked to Jesus. And in that link, we're invited to be honest and come to him in humility, trusting not in ourselves, but in him. Let us live differently in light of that. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are a God that's good, a God that has revealed himself to us, and we thank you, Lord, in your wonder and your plan, that you have formed us to be your very presence in this world. We ask for your spirit to lead us and strengthen us in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you please stand with
0: us, and we'll sing together.
1: So we it-
3: O Lord, our God, you have given your son to patiently endure all things in our behalf. Therefore, it is good and right for us to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. And as we prepare to come, uh, we remind ourselves of what this gift is that, that Christ gives, right? We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We did not know mercy, but now we know the mercy of God. We see that in our table. This table tells us that we're not on our own, not left simply to face our challenges or the uncertainties of this life, in ourselves but rather by Christ's broken body and shed blood by this blessing we are now part of God's family his people and we live under the sheltering kindness of his mercy this is the good news and this table is something that pro- it proclaims that something we can see and hold and taste and so I invite you today if, if you know of your sin before God and your need before God and have placed your hope in christ then then come and eat and drink may the spirit meet you and remind you and nourish you that you are not on your own and that god's grace is sufficient for a new beginning and a new future if you're not a follower of christ that this table be an invitation an invitation to become part of god's people and to know the mercy of god for us in christ let's pray lord I thank you for this bread and cup we pray lord that you set them apart and that your spirit would meet us, that you'd minister to us your grace, speaking forgiveness and hope and the promise of new life to us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're receiving communion, I invite you to come down the center aisle. You can receive it at the front and go back on the sides. I asked if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not uh, participating in communion this morning, I would still invite you to come forward. Glad you're here. and invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward, and let us receive the gifts that God gives to his people. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. I invite you to stand that we can respond to this table. We can pray and sing as God's people together. Lord Jesus, you are our salvation and our hope. You save the humble but bring low the proud, and your loving kindness is our refuge. Help us to trust you in all our circumstances as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Well, it's not in your uh, your order, um, but we're, we're going to take a moment to uh, offer prayer for the school year starts tomorrow for many people, if not tomorrow, relatively soon for all students and teachers and uh, families. So and I was just going to offer, a, a, you know, take a moment to offer prayer uh, for the beginning of this uh, time of the year.
1: So, um, Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning to ask especially for your presence in this season of transition for so many among us. Um, We pray for the students, the teachers, parents, administrators uh, in our midst as they prepare to return to school um, and begin their studies uh, wherever they study this year. We pray that you bless their work and make it good. We also pray Lord, especially for the students that you foster curiosity, and grant them perseverance in their work that you've called them to do, but also that in the midst of their studies, you grant them joy and bless them with good and nurturing friendships. We pray that you give the parents, teachers, and administrators wisdom and patience uh, as they support and nurture the students um, that you have given them. For those of us uh, for whom this season does not bring any change, we still take a moment to ask that you help us to see our work as good and that you sustain and attend to us in the challenges and trials that we meet in our labors. Help us all to remember one another um, as we go about our work um, in each other and pray for each other. In Jesus name we pray, amen. Um, If you could please take a moment and pray for for one another, pray for yourself if you're returning to school or for friends, family, grandchildren, children. um, We'll just take a moment and offer our own silent prayers. Father, we thank you um, that you have given us one another to be with one another as we go through our, our trials and the work that you've given us. Um, please sustain us in whatever you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Thanks, Adneisha. We're going to continue our worship time through a time of giving in response to God's generosity. So I invite the greeters that come forward. There's a a gray basket you can put your communion cup in and then a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift to the work of the church. You'll see a note in your order also that if you like to give you can do it through the church's website or by text. Um, Also just want to say welcome glad that you're here and worshiping together. There is a black information pad under the the chair uh, in the center aisle, uh, the the closest to the center aisle. So if you're sitting there I invite you to kind of grab that black pad underneath your chair and fill it out and pass it down. It's a chance to see who you're worshiping with today and if you're visiting, we're going to say a special welcome to you and invite you to fill it out if you'd like to learn more about the church, or well, there's also a QR code in here that you can fill out to fill out the Connect card online. But I invite you to, you know, to grab that uh, black pad and pass that down. Uh, last thing just to mention is that we have a time of coffee and lemonade and bagels after the service. It's in the hallway right behind us. And encourage you to stay after a chance to spend time together, and you can also enjoy the the grounds of the school, the playgrounds, and the turf field. So. Uh, Thanks again for being here to worship. And as we continue to do so, let's let's respond to God's generosity uh, with our own gifts.
0: please stand and join us for the doxology. Its sound, only oh, I then can be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, for to stand.
3: God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen. May go in peace.